So scripture reading today is coming from Isaiah 7, verses 10 to 16. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, Ask the Lord your God for a sign, whether in the deepest depths or in the highest heights. But Ahaz said, I will not ask. I will not put the Lord to the test. Then Isaiah said, Hear now, you house of David. Is it not enough to try the patience of humans? Will you try the patience of my God also? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. A sign, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. And he will call him Emmanuel. He will be eating curds and honey when he knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right. For before the boy knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right, the land of the two kings you dread will be laid waste. This is the word of the Lord. Have you ever uh, heard that phrase, when it rains, it pours? I felt like that at this one vacation trip we were on. We were visiting our family in Washington, D.C. for a wedding of my cousin. Yet it was at this trip where my mom and my aunts got a call from Korea saying, my grandmother passed away. I remember still now to this day consoling my mom on the kitchen floor while my mom and my aunts were weeping the death of their mother and my grandmother. And it was at that same time, that same trip, that things would get worse. One of my sons, on our way back, we were at an outlet mall. He stepped on a used syringe. And it went through his shoe and it actually poked him. And because of that, we had to go to the hospital in the States just to see what was going on, you know, what were our options. I remember coming home and then worrying about the communicable disease that he could have gotten. And, and, oh, man, that was an ordeal of trying to draw blood from, like, a three-year-old, being at the hospital, going through a series of tests, medication, and worrying for the next six months. And in the midst of this, we we're going through a full renovation of our house. It was, it was a complete rebuild. Jin was pregnant with Olive and had placenta previa. And at that March, so within the five months of all this started, Jin's cousin, who was 28 years old, just suddenly passed away. It's times like these when you feel as though you say and question, where are you, God? Where God feels like he is nowhere. I need a sign. I need something to hold on to when everything feels like it's falling apart. Where are you, God? Give me a sign. Give us a sign. We need to know that you are real, that you are with us, that you're still there, that you're for us, not against us. And King Ahaz must have been in a situation similar to that. He was being attacked by his very own people. And in the passage that was read today and just right before, we read that King Pekah from the northern tribe of Israel, and King Rezin of Aram, that is Syria, 
have joined forces to attack King Ahaz and the people of Judah. Their joint efforts to get rid of Ahaz was such a threat that in verse 2, we see how Ahaz, Ahaz and his people were shaken to their core. To the point that it was described as they were like trees by a forest shaken by the wind. Meaning they were just really afraid. It is within this context that we see Isaiah speaking to Ahaz. He is sent by God telling King Ahaz not to worry. God says to Ahaz, be careful, keep calm, and don't be afraid. Do not lose heart. These two will try to ruin you, but it won't happen. Instead, stand firm in your faith or you will not stand at all. That is, trust in me and stand firm in believing that I will be with you. And we see God here trying to comfort and reassure King Ahaz and even decides to reassure him with what is almost like a wish from a genie. Look at what God says to Ahaz in verse 10. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, ask the Lord your God for a sign, whether in the deepest depths or in the highest heights. God says to Ahaz, ask for a sign. I know you're terrified. I know that there are two kingdoms colluding against you. So to reassure you, let me give you a sign. Whether it be from the deepest depths or into the highest of heights, any kind of sign you want, I'll give it to you. Verse 12, but Ahaz said, I will not ask. I will not put the Lord to the test. Ahaz here shows a lot of faith by responding with, no, 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 I won't ask God for that. I will not I won't put God to the test. Just as Jesus himself would not put God to the test in the wilderness, here we see King Ahaz responding with the same words of Jesus that was quoted from Deuteronomy. He trusts in God so much that he doesn't need a sign from God. He can continue to trust in God because that's who King Ahaz was. Well, let's listen to how King Ahaz was. 2 Kings verse 16 to six, uh, chapter 16 verse 2 to 4 Unlike David his father he did not do what was right in the eyes of the Lord his God he followed the ways of the kings of Israel and even sacrificed his son in the fire engaging in the detestable practices of the nations the Lord had driven out before the Israelites he offered sacrifices and burned incense at the high places on the hilltops and under every spreading tree. King Ahaz was not like David, his father. He did not do what was right in the eyes of God, and he would actually be even worse. Not only did he worship and, and, and uh, follow other uh, gods and practices, but he would go to the point of sacrificing his own son uh, to the gods. The human, this human sacrifice wasn't just evil in the eyes of God, but was an offering that was made to the God of Molech and the common practice of worshiping Baal. Last week, Greg showed us this map and talked about the two halves to the two ways of exile. I can't get it either. It's like this, right? It goes, that's hard. All right. Dentists, right? Like, you know, they got to do that. Anyways, I won't go into that. All right. 
So the first wave where Israel, this is what, uh, the first wave where Israel had fallen hasn't happened yet. And here we see the two kings of Israel and Syria making an alliance to invade and conquer Judah. So when God speaks through Isaiah and says to Ahaz, God will give you a sign, this would have been the perfect chance for Ahaz to put his trust in God. Yet instead of saying yes to God, in his continued rejection of God, he responds with what seems like a noble and religious answer of, no, no, I won't put God to the test. When in fact he had already put his faith in someone else. Second Kings 16 again, Then Rezin, king of Aram, and Pekah, son of Remaliah, king of Israel, marched up to fight against Jerusalem and besieged Ahaz. But they could not overpower him. Then Ahaz sent messengers to say to Tiglath-Pileser, king of Assyria, I am your servant and vassal. Come up and save me out of the hand of king of Aram and the king of Israel who are attacking me. And Ahaz took the silver and gold found in the temple of the Lord and in the treasury of the royal palace and sent it as a gift to the king of Assyria. King Ahaz made an alliance with the Assyrians. Instead of trusting in God and aligning himself with the God of Israel, King Ahaz doesn't need God because he has the Assyrians. The Assyrians were the world power at that time, and therefore King Ahaz put his faith and trust in the tangible army of Assyria and had a pro-Assyrian agenda than trusting in the God who put him on the throne in the first place. Not only that, by becoming a vassal of Assyria, he would pay tribute to the king and, and by taking the silver and gold from the temple uh, and, and would even take on their gods. We see Ahaz already had adopted much of the ways of the surrounding religions, and so it was convenient to continue in this direction than to turn back and do what God wanted him to do. So this is why he says, I wouldn't put the Lord to the test. Not because he actually trusted in God and believed that God would take care of him, but because he has put his faith in Assyria. Can you see Ahaz sitting on the throne with his nobles and other high officials, hearing from the prophet Isaiah, like a scene straight out of Game of Thrones or Lord of the Rings or any one of those shows, The Crown? God would not let Pekah and Remaliah overtake Ahaz, and God will show him whatever sign he has, he asks for. And we see, and this is what Isaiah will proclaim in, in, this, in his court. And we see Ahaz thinking, um, well, actually, I've already made this alliance with Assyria. And I don't want to look like I'm being unfaithful as, as king, who is supposed to be a faithful king to the God of Israel. So I'm, I'm just going to say, no, no, no. I just won't put, I don't need a sign. I can't put God to the test. Here, King Ahaz had a perfect opportunity to hear from God, who had given him an open invitation to say, I'll give you any sign. Yet instead of taking God up on the offer, he continues to refuse. See, we can ask for a sign from God, but only if that sign points to what we want. Even though Ahaz didn't want a sign, God still decides to give him a sign. And listen to what Isaiah says, verse 14, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, 
and we'll call him Emmanuel. This is the first time in the Bible we see the word Emmanuel is mentioned. I thought the word Emmanuel was in the Bible a lot, but it's not. It's only mentioned three times in the Bible. Twice in um, Isaiah chapter 7, our current passage, and chapter 8, and once in Matthew 1. So who was this Emmanuel? We need to remember that the prophet was speaking to Ahaz within his context of this invading army. And of Ahaz wanting to put his trust in Assyria. And some argued that this Emmanuel was Isaiah's son. Or it was Hezekiah who was Ahaz's son. And whoever this Emmanuel was, when this person comes, the two kings of Pekah and Ramaliah, who Ahaz was afraid of, will, will fa- fail, would be laid to waste. And the king of Assyria, who he has put his trust in, will surely come but for his doom. The second understanding of the person of Emmanuel is based on Matthew chapter 1, verses 22 to 23. And it reads, All this took place to fulfill what the Lord has said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. This passage from Isaiah 7. Here we see Matthew make that connection of Isaiah's sign of Emmanuel to that of the birth of Jesus as the ultimate fulfillment of what that word Emmanuel means, God with us. And in both instances, God has shown his people and have given them the ultimate sign, which is God is with his people. During those five months of our, my life and Jen's life, it really did feel like a whirlwind for our family. There's so much going on with so many ups and downs that it could have been very easy for us to ask that question, where are you, God? And there are those times where, and there are those who might feel as though they would say something like to us, right? Like, oh, maybe there's some sin in your life. Or maybe God is trying to teach you something through this. And sometimes, you know, I feel like that, that, that God is angry with me, that he is already, he's just like ready to pounce on me as soon as I make a little bit of a mistake. That God loves me, but only because he has to, not because he likes me. Yet we see in the story of Ahaz that even in the midst of Ahaz rejecting God, even in the midst of Ahaz saying, I don't want a sign, God does give Ahaz a sign. That even when Ahaz says no to God, God's response to Ahaz is yes. I want to be with you. Just as a lover would not give up so easily on their their beloved, God does not give up but continues to draw near to us. He continues to woo us but doesn't force us. He is waiting for us to respond to him in love. And this is the good news of the Christmas season and the Advent season. Why do we keep seeking God when it feels like he's absent or is nowhere? Because he's not. He is with us. We hold on to the hope and the trust that when we need that sign from God, God has already given us that sign. And that sign is Emmanuel. God is with us. Jin and I were having this conversation, right? Like of how usually we say, oh, yeah, when something goes wrong or I don't feel like things are good in my life, we say, where is God? I don't feel God. I feel like God is far away from me. But 
is God far away from us? Or is it that we are far away from God? It's not that God is moving away from us, is doesn't like us, is disgusted by what we do. It's that we are the ones that are, that are moving away. Right? We're the ones that are so caught up in our lives, so busy with our worries, the, the things we want to do with our careers and, and our loved ones, whatever we want to do with our lives, that we are the ones that are drawing away from God. And then we turn around and say, where are you, God, when things aren't going our way? feels like to me sometimes like it's like a child playing in the playground, preoccupied with their friends, having fun, adventuring out. And the parents, there watching. It's not like the parents ever gone away anywhere. But the child is the one that, you know, maybe gets hurt, falls, trips, or gets into a fight and says, Where are you? Mom, Dad, where are you? Well, they're right there. I read this one blog by this person named Josh Weidman where he wrote the words down, God is nowhere. And the reason why he wrote this word down, God is nowhere, is that he himself was struggling with feeling like God was very far away from him. He said he, he was in this rough season of traveling around the world, or really for him it was in the States, right? That's, that is the world, but uh, for him. Uh, speaking at camps and church retreats. So he was, he was like a, a speaker who was being called to talk about God at all these church uh, retreats, you know, talking about how God loves uh, people. But for him, it felt like in the midst of doing that, that God was silent at best. Or it felt like for, like for him at worst that God was neglecting him. So while on the plane, again, traveling um, to another engagement, speaking engagement, he wrote these words down, God is nowhere. And, after, and he kept on uh, highlighting it, you know, and you know, going over the words over and over, saying, God is nowhere, God is nowhere. And then he realized something, that what the problem was, was that he had the wrong spacing, that once he changed the spacing in the words of God is nowhere, he realized something, that God is now here. It's like, wow. Is that a sign? <laughs> Perfect timing. I know we planned that, right? We planned that. Right? That when you change the spacing, it goes from God is nowhere to God is now here. And he understands something that is core to the Christian message. God is with us and he wants to be. God is with us because he loves us and cares for us. Why do we keep seeking God when it feels like God is nowhere? Because God is now here. We just need to have the right spacing. That in our busy lives of work, family, and even trying to do things for God, we can miss out on the reality that God is now with us. Because we don't have any space for God in our lives. So how do we slow down, create the right spacing so that we can recognize that God has come to this world in Jesus and continues to knock on the door, waiting for us to turn to him. When we were in the midst of doctor's appointments with our son, we were forced to stop 
and seek God. It wasn't that we questioned whether or not God was with us, but the, fish, the situation forced us in our desperation to turn to God. Like in the story of the prodigal son, it isn't the father that is far away from the son. It is the son that has gone away from the father. Yes, there are times where we do earnestly seek him and we may not always feel his presence. But that doesn't mean he isn't with us. I mentioned earlier that Ahaz practiced human sacrifice as part of his worship of God. It wasn't that Ahaz wasn't religious. He was. He, in fact, would later on see what he liked at the temple of Damascus and make, his, make up his own temple in his home Judah. But for Ahaz to believe that he had to sacrifice his son, sacrifice his son as part of his worship to God speaks to his understanding of a God who would want such an evil act. There's a good chance that Ahaz didn't think he was worshiping a different kind of God of his father David, but that it was this mixture of God of Israel and the God of Baal. So if he saw God as this angry God who would want this from their subjects, a child sacrifice, why would he want to even trust in a God like that? And I think sometimes we also feel like that God is like that. That somehow, because we've been taught that sin is so bad, God is so disgusted with our sins that he is just ready to get us. Right? He sent Jesus so that he could forgive us for our sins, which is true, and we believe it. Yet the sign that God gave Ahaz and us, the sign that when Ahaz actually rejected God, was the sign of Emmanuel, God with us. And even within the prophets, it seems as though that's what happens, right? When people follow God, good things happen. When people don't follow God, they are in exile, they're, they're being punished. Yet, I think what we need to see is the progression of what Emmanuel means, so Emmanuel meant for Ahaz and for his people and for Isaiah that when God showed up, something bad happened to Ahaz. But in the New Testament, when we see God show up in Jesus, is there something bad that happens? Is God here to punish us and, and ruin us? No, in Jesus, we see that God isn't the kind of God we thought he was. He isn't a God who is angry, who says eye for an eye. He is a God who says, turn the other cheek. I forgive you. I want to be with you. Whether or not you reject me or not, I am always here with you. Thomas Aquinas says that even had sin not existed, God could have become incarnate. Meaning even if there was no sin, God could have come in Jesus. Well, that's true, right? We believe that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. God was, Jesus was always with God from the beginning. Jesus wasn't an afterthought. He didn't come because we sinned. He came because that's what he wanted from the beginning. Even in the Garden of Eden, we see this, that God created Adam and Eve and dwelt with them. He walked with them. He already wanted to be with them. When we read the psalm and we see Psalm 23, the famous passage, in the, even in the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because thou art with me. 
If we believe God so loved the world that he would send his son, if we believe what Jesus said in Matthew that he will be with us till the end of the age, why do we believe that he, isn't, he won't be with us always? During the whirlwind of my cousin's wedding, grandfather, grandmother passing away, my son stepping on a needle, all the hospital visits that followed in the midst of our renovations and Jin's cousin's sudden death, what helped us through was that realization that we were not alone, that we can continue to take the next step, go to that next appointment, because God was with us. And in moments like this, we need to be reminded that God has given us the ultimate sign of Jesus, Emmanuel. God is with us. We need the eyes to see and the ears to hear. We need to create space for God so that we can hear him in that gentle whisper. We need to continue to trust in him like the heroes of the faith who didn't get everything or all the promises that God gave him, them, and yet they continue to be faithful. So let us continue to seek Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, so that even when we feel like God is nowhere, we can say with confidence that God is now here. Let's pray. Jesus, we are astounded by your love for us. That you're a God that is much bigger and greater than we can imagine. That you are not a God who demands the sacrifice of our children. That you're a God who is not angry, who wants to cause us harm. But you're a God who loves us, who wants to be with us, who forgives us as we would forgive our children and even more. So Jesus, when we doubt ourselves, when we doubt the goodness of you, when we feel as though you are somehow far away from us, may they be moments of creating space for you so that we could give room for you to show up because you are already here with us. So thank you, and we want to live in that. So give us faith when we don't have it, and uh, help us embrace the reality of you with us always. In your name we pray. Amen.